Seltzer Kings Podcasts. Hey, are you into werewolves, mad sciences, and a little bit of witchcraft? Then stay tuned for an all-new episode of Watch Corner. We're riding this train straight into the sun. Woo! Tune in to a classic episode of Watts Corner on the Seltzer Kings Network. Available on all podcast platforms. Well, Gavin, you tell the Secret Service that when I wrote Bring Back the Guillotine on my jacket, it wasn't a political thing, it was a fashion statement. Asses. The following podcast contains... Like F.U. and and, and S. and stuff like that, and then M.F. and stuff like that. Those are not... Those are... Those, those are... Um, they're, not, they're not words. Those are names of spirits. Explicit language. Hello and welcome to the podcast that asks a simple question. When you were the least bit surprised about anything that's happened over the past 18 months, what the hell were you thinking? I'm your host, Dave Bledsoe, and this is a Friday, June 22nd, 2018, waiting for a ghoul-like-you edition of the show, where we talk about the bald, flesh-covered homunculus behind our nation's child hostage crisis. Stay tuned. The What the Hell Were You Thinking podcast is brought to you by White Supremacy, making shit real comfy for white people for over 400 years. When it comes to systemic elevation of an ethnic group, white supremacy offers best-in-class performance for Caucasian persons. Everywhere, no other societal construct offers the premium luxuries and amenity of white supremacy. No matter your social station or income, white supremacy is scalable and tier-based. It's a system of ethnic privilege that guarantees you will be better off than similar economic-level minorities. No matter how much or how little you try, white supremacy is here to make it a little easier for you. Offer valid in all 50 states. Few restrictions or exemptions apply. Consult your geneticist for questions about your, the purity of your Caucasian status. I need to start with an apology for last week. I had a show written. It was a nice show full of snarky little jokes about Trump and Kim Jong-il in Singapore. I had this whole thing about how reality shows gave us Trump and Trump is running the country like a reality show. But then the news broke big about the scale and depravity of the crisis on the border where United States federal agents are literally tearing screaming children from the arms of their parents and incarcerating them in kiddie concentration camps. And to be fucking honest, I lost it. I couldn't do a jokey fun show. And I was too fucking furious to think coherently about writing a new show. So a new show wasn't going to happen. I thought about cracking the mic and just cursing until I ran out of profanities. But even that fell short of describing the fury and impotence that was raging in my veins. And as bad as that feeling was, by Monday, somehow, they made it worse. Because the Trump administration began the most shocking series of lies I've ever witnessed. I mean, I've seen some shit in the past 18 months. And I lived through the whole Clintonian sexual relations thing. That was a shining moment in political mendacity. But to have a cabinet secretary say they are not doing what they clearly are doing, what the Attorney General and the White House Chief of Staff said they were going to do, and what the fucking shit stain in the national underwear we mockingly call president said we were actually doing, I couldn't take it anymore. I'm not kidding. I spent most of Monday trying to fight off a panic attack from the grief and rage. And that is a feeling that I'm sure I shared with every American. Well, every American with a scintilla of human decency. 
But that feeling was maybe a trillionth of the level the parents who watched sworn officers of the United States of America, a country they fled to from violence and oppression in their homes, take their children and hold them hostage in a naked political ploy by an increasingly fascistic presidency. There's no way to make this even a little bit funny because it isn't funny. But this is ostensibly a comedy podcast. Highly unlikely from what I see. How do I make jokes about crimes and crisis of this level? Well, you can't. So what I decided to do is attack the motherfucker who created it. We're going after this week Trump's racist brain, Stephen Miller. I mean, make no mistake, Donald John Trump, accidental president of the United States, is now and always has been a real fucking racist. It's a family tradition in the Trump clan. His own daddy, Fred, was arrested at a Klan rally in Queens back in 1927. Fred's real estate company, ran by Donald at the time, settled a broad racial discrimination complaint in the 1970s for barring black renters from Trump properties. Grand Dragon Don took out a full-page ad in the New York Times in the 80s demanding the death penalty for the Central Park Five, who were accused of assaulting and raping a jogger in Central Park, all of whom were eventually exonerated for their crime. So our current racist-in-chief is definitely Racist prick. But he is a racist in the unfocused and broadly specific way that most old rich white men are. Left to his own devices, he would be fucking terrible. But what Donald has that say, I don't know, my dad doesn't, is a lens to focus his worst impulses through. Trump's lens is a dude named Stephen Miller. Santa Monica fascist and first edition monster manual doppelganger Stephen Miller is 32-year-old advisor to the president for Reich Purification and Aryan Affairs. He's the son of Southern California real estate investors, both of whom, ironically enough, are second-generation descendants of Jewish immigrants from Eastern Europe. Of course, of course, yes. When his great-grandparents arrived in the United States fleeing pogroms in their native countries, they arrived penniless and couldn't speak speak any English, only Yiddish. One could say that they came over to the United States and infested the country and turned it into a refugee camp. Now, little Stephen was not always the soul-leeching, gobel, scrotum sucker that he is now. I'm sure at one point in time he... Must have been a normal little boy and never ever plotted ways to segregate his kindergarten class by skin tone. But somewhere along the way, something happened to him. We talk off for everybody! Not you, Stephen. And Stephen changed. From the Hollywood Reporter in March of 2017, quote, At Santa Monica High School, he fought with teachers and students about what he saw was unfair liberal bias. He penned furious editorials in the school, school newspaper. In one, after 9-11, he railed against Islam and said Osama bin Laden would feel right at home at Santa Monica High School. After much haranguing, he successfully got school administrators to enforce a state law requiring students to recite the Pledge of Allegiance. He belittled diversity clubs and complained about letting Latino students speak in Spanish. Sounds like a douchebag. I mean, here is this dick knob speaking to his high school class in the early 2000s. I will say and I will do things that no one else in their right mind would say or do. Am I the only one who is sick and tired of being told to pick up my trash? And we have plenty of janitors who are ready to do it for us. You can see that young Stephen was already well on the path to being the nocturnal shit weasel currently gnawing on the gangrenous asshole of the head of the White House today. 
<sighs> yeah, but what if there was a little more romance in the story? Well, the animatronic skin job went from Santa Monica to the Harvard of the South, Duke University, where he continued to impress his classmates with his antediluvian ideology and vicious hatred of the untermensch. His cause celeb was the Duke University lacrosse team accused in 2006 of, of raping a stripper at a team party. And while the charges were eventually dismissed, Stephen the Slime Lord managed to beat that deceased equine in for, for years, railing against the oppression of white men everywhere, particularly white men losing their hair in their teens. Just because I look like a penis. Oh, you do, Stephen. You completely look like a freshly shorn cock. Oh, and let's not forget that while at Duke, he palled around with notable Nazi Richard Spencer. From the molted penis farewell column in the Duke Chronicle in 2007, quote, Consider the realm of issues where political correctness most strangles the debate. Race. For many at Duke, the last year offered a horrifying tutorial on the moral bankruptcy of the left's politically correct orthodoxy and the corruption of our culture at, it, at its hands. This is a perilous time for America. Inside our borders, the nation of E Pluribus Unum threatens to be fractured across ethnic lines by racial animus and divisive multiculturalism. We suffer from sagging patriotism, growing malaise, and a loss of faith in the noble history and principles that have made us great. Abroad, we face an enemy the likes we've never known that was believed spilling our blood will open the doors for eternal salvation. Stop being a whiny little bitch. This fucking guy makes Charlie Kirk sound like fucking Plutarch. This is so much white butthurt in Miller's College writings, he makes my own back catalog of self-indulgent blather seem profound and insightful. Yeah, well, it's dick jokes at his expense, basically. Descendants to the right-wing derpaspear brought him to Washington, D.C., courtesy of noted lunatic Michelle Bachman. You guys remember Michelle, right? Crazy eyes, congressional representative from Minnesota, closeted gay husband for, with an affinity for deep-throating corn dogs. Yeah, you know, her. The ragged ghoul was crazy eyes spokesman, a job mostly consisting of translating her incomprehensible garble into far right-wing diatribes about Obama being a Muslim. And after crazy eyes retired to wherever it is that batshit insane Republicans go when they're too crazy to appear on Fox News and Alex Jones doesn't want them on InfoWars, he found himself working for Alabama Senator Jefferson Beauregard Sessions III. KKK guy? Well, well, not officially, but yeah. From an article in Politico, quote, Miller quickly rose through the ranks of the Senate office to become the senator's chief of communications. Those who worked with him say Sessions and Miller had a mind meld. Within a short period of time, Miller mastered Sessions' voice. The two of them really just connected in their worldview, especially, unquote. <laughs> oh, yeah. Jeff and Stephen are cut from the same cloth. Two birds of a feather, if that bird is a vulture that sits on the branch of a lynching tree. I mean, we're talking about a couple of assholes who, when they hear the lyrics to Billie Holiday's Strange Fruit, break out in giggles. Crickets. Yes, well. Continuing from the political article, article, quote, Miller made a reputation for himself outside Sessions' office, too. He spammed reporters' inboxes with what they called stream of consciousness press releases at all hours. He called them up to deliver long and winding rants, though he was obsequiously gracious to with female reporters. There were rumors that spread around that he wrote these columns at Duke. 
that really walked a fine line on racial issues, to put it mildly, one staffer says. I've stood in a lot of hallway huddles where the talk was, my God, if you look at what he wrote in college, unquote. So, you know, a manic dude with a penchant for racism and the demeanor and appearance better suited to Dracula's Renfeld than, I don't know, politics. Yeah, God, I would just imagine he was the perfect fit for the Trump campaign. So, Corey Lewandowski, noted assaulter of women and accomplished sad trombone player. I mean, look, I, I read today about a 10-year-old uh, girl with Down syndrome who was taken from her mother and put in a cage. Wah, wah. I read about a, a did you say want want to a 10-year-old with Down syndrome what being I taken said from is her you mother? Can pick anything How you dare want you? Up, but the bottom line How is very clear. Plucked young Stephen from racist Uncle Jeff's office and made him the senior policy advisor to the Trump campaign on concentration camps and Zyklon B production. I'm sorry Gavin is telling me in my headset that I was wrong about that. He is the senior policy advisor on immigration. You can see where I made that mistake. He went on to play the role of worm tongue to Trump's dotty old racist Theoden, forming and directing Trump's existing generic racism into a coherent agenda of hate and oppression. Um, impressive CV for someone your age. And he was really good at whipping up the crowd in campaign rallies as a warm-up act for the orange boobo that would compose the main show. You elect Donald J. Trump, folks, and for the first time in your life, you're going to have a secure border. For the first time, folks, for the first time, the wait will be over. You're not going to have to wait anymore. You're not going to have to wake up wondering, when will Washington do it? Because, folks, brick by brick, that wall is going to get built. You know, for a creature with no actual charm, charisma, or indeed soul, he really knew how to connect with the Trump base. So either he made some very shady deals with dark powers of the elder gods, or his message of prejudice, hate, and ignorance really resonated with the Trump base. I'm guessing the latter. Going back to this excellent political piece, quote, unlike Trump's stump speeches, Miller's speeches were are actually speeches. Though he too speaks extemporaneously, Miller gives his warm-up routine a recognizable rhetorical and thematic skeleton. He alliterates, he alludes, he uses parallel structures. His warm-ups have an arc, but it's one that stops at its apogee, leaving the crowd just hungry enough for the denouement for the one man who can help us to ride in and spitball. Naturally, this flesh-feasting ghoul formed a close relationship with a steamed scotch drinker and perkadan popper and the sort notoriously successful fascist flater, Stephen Bannon. The two Stevens were directly responsible for Trump's greatest White House hits. Hey, man, is that Freedom Rock? Yeah, man. Well, turn it up, man. Together, the two Stevens wrote Trump Travel Ban Volume 1, blatantly and openly barring Muslims from entering the country which was against the law and promptly struck down and sank into the swamp. Then they went on to rope Trump Travel Ban Volume 2, 
which slightly less blatantly barred Muslims from entering the country, which was also illegal. That one burned down and then fell over, sank into the swamp. So they wrote Trump Travel Ban Volume 3, which only obliquely barred Muslims. And that one has stayed up so far. And there we go. We have the strongest travel ban in this country until the Supreme Court comes along and maybe knocks it down, although probably not, because that's America today. Miller's grave dirt fingerprints are all over the family separation and zero tolerance border policy. He crafted this draconian policy as part of a coherent formula to push the grand goal of a white ethno state here in America. Gabriel Sherman quoted a White House staffer in Vanity Fair this week, quote, Stephen actually enjoys seeing those pictures at the border, an outside White House advisor said. He's a twisted guy. The way he was raised and picked on, there's always been a way he's gone about this. He's Waffen SS, unquote. This is from someone in the White House or vaguely associated. I don't give a shit because it's obviously believable and true. Look at this fucking douchebag. He looks like Goebbels. He also likely crafted the vague and easily knocked down executive order that Trump signed ending the policy, which in 20 days, because it's already against the law, they'll just start stripping kids again and putting everyone in fucking concentration. Concentration camps! We are talking fucking concentration camps here! Make no mistake, Miller's no dummy. Everything he does is testing the waters, pushing the boundaries a little further, and each time he pushes, he managed to move the markers to get a little more, more of his agenda into the norm. It's not about winning in one fell swoop. It's about creeping autocracy and nationalism, wearing us down over time. That's the Miller plan. He's young. He's got time. From another article about Miller and Vanity Fair, quote, take him seriously and know that he is a dangerous person. He says he has a dangerous mind and a dangerous way of thinking. He wants to shift what America is about. You've got to stay vigilant. He's not taking days off. If there's one thing Miller is, and he's a lot of things, he's absolutely motivated. This is, this is his entire life. This is everything for him. He's not going to rest. He won't rest. He won't stop. He is not a Trump shill. He was this way before Trump and Bannon. He was radicalized way before that, unquote. Stephen Miller is the terminator of racism. And understand that terminator is out there. It can't be bargained with. It can't be reasoned with. It doesn't feel pity or remorse or fear. And it absolutely will not stop ever. What is terrifying about Stephen Miller is not his fresh from the grave resemblance to a flesh eating undead. It's not the soulless eyes staring back from a deeply socketed skull of a B-movie evil necromancer, nor how every time he walks into the room you feel the cold hand of the grave at the nape of your neck. It isn't the sound of damned souls shrieking in eternal agony that plays just beyond the range of human hearing, sending dogs fleeing from fear every time he opens his mouth to speak. I mean, all of those things are terrifying in and of themselves, but what is worse is Stephen Miller is deeply committed to the singular goal of, quote, we must secure the existence of our people and a future for white children, unquote. You may not recognize those words, and I hope you don't, and they are particularly strange coming from a Jewish guy. Nevertheless, 
They are his raison d'etre. They are the 14 words that Nazis speak about America. Because unlike Trump, who has no coherent plan whatsoever, or even Stephen Bannon, who only courts the shitheads of the alt-right wearing polo shirts and waving tiki torches, or the moron dipshits waving Confederate flags, Miller understands how the system works. How to play all of the people in the great game. The idiot masses provoked by subtle racism and coded phrasing that comprise the Trump base. The overt and avowed racists that comprise the alt-right and the white-collar business crowds who would blanch if anyone said they were racist, but quietly propagate a system of embedded racism and white nationalism that benefits their bank accounts. It is entirely possible that Stephen Miller actually is a fucking evil genius because he's no desire to sit on the throne, but to stand quietly in the shadows and get the throne to do his bidding. History is replete with men such as Miller. We actually executed a fair number of them of Nuremberg in the 1940s. You can argue his methods, question his sanity, but you cannot deny that young Stephen Miller is the architect of a creeping ethnic purge of immigrants and undesirables in order to purify the state and reshape it in an image more in line with his worldview. There are more openly dangerous men in the world today, but I promise you that if left unchecked, Stephen fucking Miller will happily stand at a lectern and cut the ribbon on Auschwitz on the Mississippi and have a million cheering simpletons waving at him when he does it. The watermark of most people in the Trump administration is greed, coupled with stupidity. It flows from the moron-in-chief who somehow managed to fuck up his way to the top, and the people he's brought in share the singular trait of being too corrupt and incompetent to succeed anywhere else. Hi, Ben Carson. But mixed in with the grifters and dipshits and clueless lackeys are a smattering of brilliant ideologues who see a path towards tyranny that goes down Trump's, Trump's golden escalator of idiocy. Who knows how many more Millers are dwelling in the shadows and deftly maneuvering their ostensible leaders towards darker and darker futures for the United States. The lickspittle complicity and complacency of the Congress allows them to flourish like toxic toadstools in the vast morass of shit that occupies the seats of power in Washington, D.C. The timid and tremulous press fears to break the norms of decency to point out that right now at this moment in all of american history we stand at a crossroads down one path is the bumbling inefficient systemically but cluelessly racist system of government that has more or less by accident kept this country functional for the past two and a quarter centuries and down the other path the one with the weathered sign, adored with a blood-soaked raven, is the path of the ghoulish Denzians of despair, who will gleefully tear apart the institutions and ideals that compose the fragile sinew of American democracy, so they can feast on the entrails and flesh of our mutual fears and hatreds. They prey on the weak-minded, the embittered, and fearful and grow stronger. They hear the cries of children torn from their parents and salivate because they know there is fresh carrion for the feast. All flesh is food and the seasoning is the tears of those who stood against them, shouting a warning about what is to come. Surely our bones can be cracked and the marrow of decency sucked to sate their terrible and endless hunger. My God, 
if Stephen Miller heard me say that, his fucking orgasm, he would just come so much, the room would fucking fill up. <laughs> that is it for our show this week. Oh my God, that's so dark. Again, apologies for the first time in two and a half years. I let you all down. I did not post something to the feed to carry you through the darkness. But alas, the darkness consumed me last weekend. Which is probably why this week's show reads more like H.P. Lovecraft than the usual upbeat fare of dick jokes and mockery you've come to expect from this low-rated podcast. But uh, it's really, really hard to make jokes when children are being taken from their parents to support political ploys of a fake tanned Mussolini. Remember a week or two back when we were talking about Ivanka being a feckless cunt? <laughs> yeah, that was about this exact same thing. God, those were innocent days. I wish we could go back. Remember when we wished we could go back to Obama? Now we're just looking to let go like a week or so back when things were not as fucking terrible. Speaking of going back and being terrible, you should rate and review the show wherever you get your podcast and go back to a simpler time when a podcast hope is hosted by an un angry drunken man railing against the simplistic mechanism of graphic corruption with the fair of the day and not the end of American democracy. All of my uh, Cassandra and Cries are also on Twitter at the Hell underscore podcast and the show name on Facebook. All the shows are at the show name on SoundCloud and at www.whatthehellpodcast.com. There's Patreon something. I'm sorry, I'm pretty preoccupied with shit to worry about that, but give me money anyway, Patreon slash what the hell podcast. So uh, for me, uh, Monster Hunter Dave Bledsoe, producer Back to the Grave Foul Beast Gavin, and all the other fictional revenants on the show, we want to say, it feels so wrong, evil and cruel. You've been lurking too long, but I guess uh, we've been waiting for a ghoul like you to come into our lives so we can uh, kill it. Kill it with fire! We'll see you all next week. Seltzer Kings. Podcasts.